Hello, this is Chip Kinman, and you're listening to Pantheon Podcast Network. History in five songs. With host Martin Popoff. A production of Pantheon Podcasts. Let's rock out with Martin. Martin Popoff here. Welcome back again to another episode of History in Five Songs with Martin Popoff, brought to you by the good people at Pantheon Podcast. We are pleased, as always, to be part of this vast and always expanding Pantheon Podcast Network. We're available on Spotify, iTunes, and over 40 other podcast platforms. All right. This is episode uh, 202. I'm calling this The Ballad. I want to thank William Walker for coming up with this idea. And uh, some of his thoughts are going to be here. And I've got a few thoughts from Mick Phelan as well. But man, this is going to be a bit of a chaotic episode because I have this... this uh, love-hate relationship with the ballad. Who do I want to do ballads? Who do I trust to do ballads? Who do I not trust to do ballads? In the research for this episode, I think I've learned some things about myself and the uh, and the problems with ballads and what I like about them. But um, yeah, it's, uh, it's definitely going to be a frustrating one. William Walker uh, wrote me and said, so I don't know all of your personal criteria for what makes a good ballad, but I do know a few. So I'm basing some of the points off of things I've heard you say or problems I've myself have had with ballads. First, we could go with something in the way of drums and bass. I do not know a ton about drums or bass. I'm more of a guitar guy, but I've noticed a lot of ballads give the band a little to do aside from the singer. Drummers are almost mere timekeeping devices and bassists are even hardly to hear frequently. So yeah, there's a bunch of characteristics of the ballad that we're going to talk about. There's different kinds of ballads, but this is a good way to kick it off. Um, you know, it, it does seem to be more about the singing, um, somewhat of the lyrics. We're going to be getting into lyrics here as well. Which ones I buy, which ones I don't buy, which ones I value, which ones I don't value kind of thing. Um, so yeah, I guess this is a bit of a, uh, a scatterbrain episode where we're looking at this whole idea of ballads and, uh, and where they fit and where they don't. Um, let's see what else. Uh, yeah, I, so I guess my problem, uh, with this whole thing in a, in an umbrella general sense is I love mellow music. Uh, see, there you go. That term mellow, mellow music, soft music, ballads. There's not even a good way to talk about this stuff, right? Um, so I love all kinds of mellow music. I mean, you you guys know one of my favorite albums of all time is These Trails by These Trails, that Hawaiian psych folk thing from 1973. It's one of the quietest albums you've ever heard. I love Nick Drake. Um, I love all kinds of ballad stuff. Um, but uh, I guess... I guess one umbrella thing is I don't really like my heavy bands doing ballads, right? And we're going to get into that as well. But uh, okay, so let's uh, let's look at this as well. So Mick Phelan wrote and said, uh, um, you'll start off defining what a ballad is, I suppose. Primarily softer, less instrumentation, clear channel, clear voice. True, except of course if you're Lemmy, um, you know. So I don't like Motorhead doing ballads. Basically, uh, usually is more autobiographical in nature. Certain tenderness. Okay, true. Yeah, love lyrics. I mean, this is a whole uh, thing about this too. The uh, the male female dichotomy with ballads. Um, they like a certain kind of ballads. We like a certain other kind of ballad if we like them at all. Um, Mick says, if we go historically, the ballad may, maybe was a defar- departure from the fun, fun, fun element. 
i.e. these pop bands were for kids, but they used the ballad to suggest an artistic seriousness. The ballad was an essential part of shaping artistic identity. Um, plus, so many cultures are rooted in ballad as forms of expression. The downtrodden blues man singing in the voice of enslaved forefathers. In Ireland, we have such an oral tradition of using the ballad to articulate the pain of colonization, famine, forced emigration. So doing a ballad is truly uh, the uh, connecting with artistic forefathers. Um, you know, uh, it's this is kind of uh, almost coincidental, but I've got Thin Lizzy written down here, right? So so Thin Lizzy is a band I do not like the ballads of, generally speaking, unless they do them a certain way. I love Southbound. I don't like Sarah, right? I don't like uh, Still in Love with You. So I don't, don't like a blues ballad. I don't like Led Zeppelin doing a blues ballad. But why is this? I love ZZ Top doing a ballad, right? And it, it might have a little bit of something to do with, um, I love Billy Gibbons' voice. I don't like Dave Peverett's voice, so I don't like Foghat doing a ballad, but I love ZZ Top doing it. There's always a certain uh, ponderousness and uh, reminiscing and musing that you get out of Billy, too. He's kind of philosophical. Um, so yeah, something about ZZ Top ballads I, I definitely like. So uh, maybe both of these guys have something here where, um, given that it is so much about the singing, um, we really need to have a good singer there to sell this ballad, uh, you know, generally speaking. Uh, anyways, let's get into our first selection here and we shall uh, explore this idea further. Take a listen to this. This is Kim Mitchell with All We Are. All right, so uh, typically speaking, uh, as is tradition, I like to start off these episodes with the one that makes me think I want to do an episode like this at all. So All We Are is a really important one. I think I've talked about this song in, in some previous episodes before, but I love this as a ballad because uh, it, it actually is the kind of ballad that women like, that girls like. It it is a love song. It's got it's got these sort of syrupy, sappy melodies, um, but they're done in kind of a, a little bit of a tongue-in-cheek way, a little bit of a Zappa-esque way. It also gives you a little bit of um, Pai Dubois' wisdoms. So so here you get a good love lyric, but it's a smart, sophisticated love lyric as well, right? You've got um, some some really good fireworks. Uh, so you've got fireworks in the terms uh, um, uh, with respect to Kim Mitchell and his guitar playing. You've got fireworks with uh, two singers, Kim and the soaring high singer, Peter Fredette, which you heard in this clip. Um, you've got an interesting, interesting, slow, you know, halftime, maybe even one-eighth time drum groove um, with, with kind of a shuffle, kind of a, uh, you know, a, a Rosanna Toto shuffle feel uh, in it as well. Uh, big, huge fills. So there's a lot of cool things going for it. So this is this is almost like the most successful version of wrapping this all together that this whole episode's going to have um, in terms of everything here. Um I want to take this break also to mention a, a few other things. So I've been playing a little bit with uh, with AI recently and really not having a lot of success. Long story, been trying a bunch of different little things with it. 
characters for the follow-up to my Flaming Telepaths book, uh, drawing ideas. Um, but, you know, for this episode, I thought, I'm going to ask a Bing AI because I've been getting the Bing thing saying, oh, Bing can now do AI better than character AI or chat GPT and all this stuff. So I asked about ballads a little bit. And, uh, and it's interesting. I got uh, along the lines, again, of this characteristics of them sort of thing. Um, so, um, so yeah. So, actually, the first thing it was was a heavy metal power ballad. is a type of song that combines elements of hard rock and soft rock, often with a slow tempo, dramatic vocals and voice. Maybe I shouldn't go into that more because we've got a whole category for that further. But um, it does mention sentimental lyrics, contrast between soft and loud sections, uh, guitar solo. So, yeah, you're usually going to get that. Strong vocals is important. Theatricality and drama that creates a sense of epicness and intensity often using uh, effects like reverb, echo, and choir backing vocals. Fantasy-based subject matter, eh, not really. Uh, Anthem-like choruses, true, the chorus is usually strong. Lengthy duration, that's kind of an interesting one. Uh, Ballads are usually kind of longer, especially if it's going to have a power ballad element, right? Um, Pop appeal that makes the song accessible, so we know that that's one of the reasons people do these ballads, right, is is to get a radio hit out of it. Influence from other genres such as classical music, folk music, blues, progressive rock, adding diversity and richness to the sound. Um, uh, Let's see. Okay, so let's uh, let's move on to our next selection here, and we'll and we'll kind of go into a little bit, um, a little uh, more more precise in terms of the characteristics here. Take a listen to our second track here. This is Judas Priest with "Beyond the Realms of Death." Okay, so now we're getting into uh, what do you guys all feel about our super heavy bands, our heavy metal bands doing ballads. So, so this is one of the most uh, important early ones. There is the idea of the dirge or even the dirge that isn't that heavy. You think of uh, Black Sabbath Planet Caravan and Solitude and Changes and Laguna Sunrise and these kind of creepy unsettling things that are sort of ballad. But Beyond the Realms of Death is almost like a heavy metal power ballad by a heavy metal band. And we all know the history of it, how it's kind of dark and it's a suicidal song and it's got super heavy parts in it as well. Um, but it's a it's an example of one that's a beloved sort of songs. But um, so this starts the the whole idea of, uh, of, you know, you think of Metallica fade to black as, as Mick says, uh, the thrash metal game changer, you know, a thrash band doing a ballad. So fade to black is super important for that. Um, but you've got, you know, Iron Maiden, Wasted Years, Pantera, Cemetery Gates, Avenged Sevenfold, Seize the Day. Um, I think, I think that's Bing AI that mentioned those ones. Um, but, um, you know, uh, uh, I think this is William Walker saying this. Can can we call? Ah, this might be Mick. Can we call Pantera this love a ballad? I thought the charm was around cowboys and vulgar air, and then they add some remnants of the glam rock roots to rub up against the Slayerish heaviness. Get the essential thing in hard rock dynamics. Later, you could say they got too heavy. Sammy, is this love the ultimate send up piss take? Two fingered salute to the kind of hair metal ballad, sickeningly dominating radio. See Aerosmith, Angel, blah blah blah. So yeah, it's kind of interesting. Uh, this love. Uh, feels like it could be a little bit in the realm of beyond the realms of death sort of thing. Um, you know, I also I also consider this category a little bit of the um, the idea of being um, 
you know, rule breakers, you know, bringing in that actual heavy metal riff. I, I even think of kind of the epicness of like a, like a Guns N' Roses, November's Rain sort of fits in here as well. Um, but uh, yeah, you know, it's, it's funny. You think of, again, I, I keep coming back to these bands that I like ballads by and don't like ballads by, and I surprise myself somewhat. You know, I think of Alice Cooper. I love Desperado, and I'm 18 is kind of a ballad as well, right? Um, progressive rock, we'll get into that a little more. William Walker also says uh, ballads that aren't your typical ballad. Uh, so this kind of fits with the Beyond the Realms of Death. They're either happy or they're sad. How about mixing it up with a wild card like Nazareth's Please Don't Judas Me? Uh, so, so you know, this is kind of like a heavy, longer, more involved thing. Um, even the Ballad of Hollis Brown has ballad in it, right? The cover of the Bob Dylan song. It's so doomy, but it's kind of a ballad as well. Sort of a murder ballad thing. But, you know, Nazareth is a band that's uh, that's celebrated for the likes of Love Hurts, their biggest song, which is a cover, but it is a, a true rote ballad, right? Um, William Walker also says, second, uh, uh, secondly, power ballads are a superior form of the ballad, I guess. They communicate the melody well, but uh, keep things exciting, keep them heavy, keep them moody, progressive. Uh, he also mentions Woman by Legs Diamond. Interesting choice that you came up with that. I Believe in You by Y&T. Lots of Scorpions and UFO songs from the 70s. In Trance, Will Burn the Sky, Holiday, Love to Love. Love to Love is a great example. So, so again, um, these ones, these metal bands... They can make them pretty interesting, and and that's one where you've got got the epicness and the ambition, and it wins you over, and it's considered one one of the great lights out songs, right? You know, and in fact, I, I gotta mention that, um, you know, UFO is kind of one of these bands. I think I like their ballads better than I like Thin Lizzy ballads, uh, in effect, because um, you know, you guys have often heard me say that No Place to Run is my favorite UFO album. You know why? I, I love three mellow songs on it. This Fire Burns Tonight, Gone in the Night, and Any Day. They're all kind of ballads. Um, so yeah, I guess heavy bands can uh, win me over uh, with this sort of thing. So let's, stay, let's take another little break and mention... Um, Bing AI again. I, I did ask the question, like, how do you make a ballad interesting, right? And I uh, came back with a pretty good answer. Jad, see what you think of this. Uh, incorporating elements of progressive rock, such as complex structures, time signatures, unusual scales, or conceptual themes. For example, Dream Theater's The Spirit Carries On, Queen's, uh, Queensryche's Silent Lucidity. Great, uh, great choice, uh, Bing Robot. Uh, or Nevermore's Believe in Nothing. Using unconventional instruments or sounds such as violins, cellos, flutes, keyboards, or electronic effects. For example, Nightwish, Sleeping uh, Sun, Apocalyptica's Nothing Else Matters, Metallica, of course, Ortherian's The Siren of the Woods. Exploring darker or heavier topics such as death, suicide, war, religion, social issues. Um, mentions, yeah, Megadeth's The Two Le Mans, um, Cemetery Gates, Fade to Black. Adding more speed or aggression such as faster tempos, heavier riffs, or harsher vocals. For example, uh, Blind Guardian's The Bard Song, Iced Earth, I Died for You. Yeah, interesting one there uh halloween's a tale that wasn't right making fun of or parodying the power ballad um mentions tenacious d steel panther spinal tap kind of cool um yeah so there's a there's some interesting ways to uh to put some meat on the bones of these ballads and when you do that i suppose you move it into the realm of they aren't just for women the guys are gonna like it the metalheads are gonna like it um all right let's take a short break we'll be right back Hello, Pantheon Podcast listeners. Christian Swain here to tell you more about my experience with Raycon earbuds. Our family now has three pairs of Raycon earbuds around the house. And my wife just grabbed a pair of the headphone pros to replace some headphones from a company that was double the price. And yes, she loves them. Now, if you haven't pulled the trigger on a pair of Raycons, 
Even if you have, but you're in the market for another pair because they're just that good, well, now is the time to check them out because they just launched their upgraded model of the best-selling everyday earbuds. With Raycon's upgraded everyday earbuds, now you also get active noise cancellation, ergonomic design, and multi-point connectivity that lets you pair with two devices at once. New quick charge function, three customizable sound styles, plus awareness mode. Available in a variety of vibrant new colors to complement any and all skin tones. I even have a pair of earbuds in a cool green color. I have tried just about every earbud known to humankind, and these Raycons are fantastic. Seriously, if you've been wanting to check out Raycons, there truly is no better time. You're going to ask yourself why you didn't check them out sooner, and Raycon offers a 30-day happiness guarantee. So, what are you waiting for? Go to buyraycon.com slash pantheon today to get 20% off your Raycon order, plus free shipping. That's right, you'll get 20% off and free shipping at buyraycon.com slash pantheon. Buyraycon.com slash pantheon. Hey folks, Stefan Shirazi and Renee Richardson here from the Metallica Report. And we are proud members of the Pantheon Podcast family, where the best of music and podcasts unite. We've got something pretty cool for you. We're giving away an exclusive Metallica merch package worth over $250. That's a whole lot of scary guys, skulls, M72, and other sought-after Metallica swag. And we've made it easy for you to win. Follow and share the Metallica Report, and you're in the game. Go to pantheonpodcast.com slash Metallica, enter your email, and hit that button to be entered to win. And just like that, you're eligible for our monthly exclusive Metallica merch package. And guess what, rockers? You can enter every month. So just do it. And while we love our global brothers and sisters, the lawyers won't let us ship outside the U.S. Okay, back again. History in Five Songs with Martin Popoff, episode 202, The Ballad. Take a listen to this. This is our, our third selection. This is Blue Oyster Cult with I Love the Night. That night her kiss told me it was over I walked out late into the dark The misty gloom seemed to soak up my sorrow Okay, so the theme here is um, ballads can win you over uh, when the lyrics are better, when when they're interesting. They're not just straight, um, you know, love lyrics, I guess. Uh, they can be a little moody, mystical, paranormal. Blue Oyster Cult's good at that. So I love the nights, a little bit of like a, uh, a romantic vampire type uh, type lyric. Um, you know, Bach Dharma's guitar lends itself well to, to ballads. His voice lends itself well, self well. You know that we get him rather than Eric uh, on these. Uh, then came the last days of May as a cool tale about a drug deal gone wrong where these kids go from the east coast to the desert in the west and they get killed um you think it don't fear the reaper uh it's basically a ballad in the right written by alan lanier the great sun jester um so that's more like a progressive rock ballad it's got ballad parts kind of heavier parts but bluish cult's just good at this right um william walker mentions gamma wish i was which i think is a great ballad and i even think fight to the finish is kind of a bit of a ballad by gamma which which is kind of cool um so yeah, he he says that uh, yeah, "Wish I Was" by Gra- uh, Gamma is a great, 
great ballad in addition to the production musicality it's got beautifully written lyrics some really good almost metaphorical language not really sure what you would call that the kind of causes you to actually ponder the lyrics every time you hear it and not necessarily come up with an answer to them good thought-provoking lyrics that make it a standout from other sappy ballads so the point here is you know it's uh it's a guy in a guy's band, but he's pondering his life. Maybe there's some depression, thinking about mortality. Have I reached my goals? So there's these other emotional things you can talk about in ballads that that aren't just like uh, you know she left me kind of lyrics, right? Um, but again, get back to back to UFO with love to love and the interesting things Phil can do with a ballad. You think of Led Zeppelin. I'm not I'm not a big band of a rote blues ballad, but um, but you know Stairway to Heaven is an ambitious ballad, right? Um, you know I I even think for for a band that is more like new wavy and poppy and not that ambitious the cars have drive and since you're gone which are both kind of ballad based songs and they're and they're a couple of their biggest songs uh deep purple of course has the big ambitious ballad in child in time uh, versus something like in anyone's daughter which is kind of more of, of a comedic thing but also a ballad you think uh one of the great ballads of all time is leonard skinner freebird right so you got the southern ballad uh formula we've got mellow parts fast parts parts a jam uh it's long so a lot of bands do this molly hatchet has them almond brothers has them blackfoot has one one or two so yeah those are kind of interesting and again um you know going down this line of um of these bluesier southern rock bands um Again, I want to reiterate that I guess I'm not a big fan of Foghat ballads, but a Billy Gibbons or Paul Rogers from from Bad Company can do a great ballad as well. Also along the lines of this, you know, just to circle back to Kim Mitchell, when Max Webster does a ballad or other Kim Mitchell ballads, they're good because of Pai Dubois lyrics, right? So so you know, you're getting you're getting good messaging in the ballad as well. Plus, they're they're smart musicologist type bands and they're not just going to do the rote kind of thing. Um, and then of course, we've got uh, sort of the most ambitious ballad of all time with uh, Queen Bohemian Rhapsody. That's a big major one. Um, I don't know, Hallelujah, uh, Leonard Cohen, you know, great Great lyrics so obviously move out of our realm here in classic rock and you've got all kinds of great lyrics in in a ballad form i mean what is a ballad right we're, we're essentially talking about about mellow music here so um all right uh let's move on to our next selection here take a listen to this this is aerosmith with home tonight Okay, so the category here is the rote power ballad, the rote, the the kind of ballad that I'm not a big fan of. But I think Home Tonight kind of kicks this all off. Uh, all the rules are there. This is Rocks, 1976. I don't think Dream On really fits this whole thing. Dream On's a little bit more the previous category. It's a little bit more of an ambitious one, a bit proggy. Um, but Home Tonight, I think, kicks off this whole thing. And then, of course, we get a lot of terrible, terrible rote power ballads from Aerosmith. And this brings in the idea of the song doctors, the Diane Warrens, the outside songwriters, right? So you get Angel and I Don't Want to Miss a Thing and Crazy and all those songs later on that we really don't like from Aerosmith. But Home Tonight is a great feeling, you know, also You See Me Crying, right, from... Um, from Toys in the Attic is a, is a great one as well in this department. Um, but yeah, so so um, 
So in the rote power ballad category, of course, you've got your uh, your poison. Every rose has its thorn. You've got all those hideous, hideous Bon Jovi songs. Um, you've got Home Sweet Home from Motley Crue. You know, here's the home thing again. That one is considered to be one of the most mean, median, average of all these things. You've got Love Bites from Def Leppard. Um, so yeah, really, I really, really don't like this kind of ballad. This is the rote hair metal power ballad thing. Um Funny one uh, is Van Halen. I, I think of, you know, everybody talks about Sammy Hager and the ballads. If you go play those Sammy Hager ballads, most of them have quite a up-tempo beat to them. Um, so so here we get into that debate uh, about when is a ballad just a pop song, right? Um, you know, if, if you put a big beat to it, I, I think of uh, the church, uh, In Your Eyes, and, uh, and a bunch of church songs. Um, Boy, who else was I thinking about in this? Anyways, the the Van Halen one's a great example because you think of a lot of those Sammy Hager songs, they got that syrupy, saccharine sort of melody and Sammy's kind of Hallmark post, uh, Hallmark card uh, lyrics, uh, and yet it's kind of up-tempo. They're, they're rocking along. Maybe Eddie's playing piano, but basically Alex is thundering along on the drums, right? Um, and then in the origins of this whole thing, uh, you know, I think of the origins that the tenuously lead us toward power ballad. You think of uh, the Who behind Blue Eyes. Um, uh, mentioned here, don't know if this was Mick, uh, Mick or, or Williams, sorry, but mentioned the ballad used to reach back into old-style musicianship, a movement to youth and minimalism with Ride a White Song, uh, T-Rex, doing a ballad to follow trends, Zep jumping on the Laurel Canyon trend. That's kind of an interesting comment. Tangerine, um, you know, people say that. The Innovators, I think this was Mick saying this, the Innovators, the daddy of them all, Beatles yesterday, right? So here's this idea, again, that we've sort of hinted at, is when these bands kind of grow up and, and they stop doing just the pop songs or songs based on the 50s and Beatles. Beatles are first at everything, aren't they? Um, but here they are, you know, the granddaddy of them all, as as Mick says, uh, with the Beatles yesterday. So uh, the ballad is show we are more than fun, fun, fun. Beach Boys forever. But yeah, I, th- I think of, uh, you know, elliptical or adjacent to all this is the likes of Don't Stop Believing by Journey, uh, Total Eclipse of the Heart, Bonnie Tyler. Some of this is the is the AI talking again that mentioned. Uh, here's an interesting one. Um, I want to know what love is by Foreigner. So, the interesting thing about this, and I think the reason it was such a big hit, is that it has sophisticated chord changes, right? So a ballad doesn't have to be Motley Crue, Home Sweet Home. It can be, it can have a little bit of a drama or pathos to it, and I think that's what you get with "I Want to Know What Love Is." So, so the verses are a little moody, uh, but the chorus is ah, a little saccharine again. So, so that, so that gives you a, a little bit of extra interest. Okay, let's move on to our last selection here. Take a listen to this. This is Steve Hackett with Tildy's. Luck is always ticking, hanging on the wall. The mirror's always cracked, waiting for us all. A rose by any other name, squandered in the dust, till these eyes have seen enough. Okay, so the category here is, I mean, I, I could expand this and talk for hours on this, but this is, this is, this idea of I want my ballads from certain kinds of bands so I don't want my heavy bands to do ballads I don't want hair metal bands to do ballads I suppose part of it is if I really think about it do I find it believable 
you know, the Motley Crue guys are a bunch of dicks, right? So, so you don't really believe them when they, when they, when they show feelings, right? Sort of thing. So, so there's that happening with, with just in general, the hair metal bands, the metal bands, um, don't really talk about boy girl stuff very often. So, you know, credit to them. They don't try to do that in their ballads. So they are more of like, you know, you think of the Metallica sort of blueprint for that, you know, the, the depression stuff, right? Um, so, uh, so so here we are uh, with Steve Hackett being a prog guy, and I love Steve Hackett's mellow stuff. I mean, his mellow music is some of my favorite music of all time. Until These Eyes, what a great, great lyric. I mean, this is just about, you know, being old and seeing everything and saying, Till These Eyes, I've seen enough sort of thing. It's just a brilliant, brilliant lyric and his Spanish guitar and his great voice. Um, and, and conversely, uh, I picked this because I really don't like when Steve Hackett makes a lot of noise. So I don't like his heavy stuff, the squalling guitar and everything. Uh, it's, it's just very jarring to me, but I love everything mellow he does. So that's kind of the point here. But I love, you know, my favorite Jethro Tull is, is the mellow, folky, melodic stuff. My favorite, yes, is is essentially, ba- you know, the ballad type stuff. I love hearing Chris Squire sing on a ballad. I love hearing John Anderson sing on a ballad. Um, Genesis, when they're mellow, you know, doing mellow music, I, I like what they do. Queen ballads, uh, I totally like. So so Freddie Mercury's good for this, and the piano playing, and the drama, and they've got this history, this weird dance hall music history, 20s music history. So when they do that sort of thing, it's amazing, and they've got some tricks up their sleeves with the with the vaulted vocals and stuff. Um, Peter Gabriel, love his mellow stuff. Here comes, here comes the flood, and don't give up. Um, you know, some of my favorite Peter Gabriel songs are the really mellow, mellow Peter Gabriel songs. Pink Floyd Comfortably Numb is, is mentioned a lot as well. Grateful Dead is a funny one. So this brings up the idea of, um, I really love when women sing the ballads. Um, I don't want to hear a guy singing to me about love, right? So, so when the women sing them, it's, it's much more entrancing. So, so my favorite Grateful Dead songs are the songs with Donna Godshow singing on them. And a lot of those are very ballad-like, or at least they're really melodic. But yeah, definitely, I would say five of my eight favorite Grateful Dead songs slash uh, Jerry Garcia band songs from Cats Under the Stars um, are all sung by Donna Godshow. Um, although I really also really like when a ballad, uh, and this happens a lot too, when a ballad features a male and female duet. For some for some reason, I'm a sucker for that. I really like that as well. Uh, so Donna and Jerry uh, sing some amazing, amazing things together in, in the mellow music world. But uh, yeah, and it's funny. Um, you know, so many bands just totally do not qualify for this entire concept punk bands don't do ballads motorhead does them occasionally and i think they don't they don't really succeed acdc doesn't do ballads right um so there's a lot of bands that don't do ballads oh i I had a couple other notes here about again the idea of up-tempo ballads you know when is an up-tempo ballad a pop song you think of most of the rem catalog um you think of pete townsend face dances part two is a perfect example right um super super light melodic song yet it's set to a beat so is it still a ballad you tell me sort of thing right um so there you go um honorable mention just a few other kind of uh, you know cleanup things um mick Phelan writes uh, using a ballad to leave prog land and enter new uh, more palatable frontiers your own special way genesis yeah that's it's very true mick uh, you know genesis um, you know, they, they've made a lot of mellow music in the past, but it really sticks out like a sore thumb when they actually try an actual ballad, right? Um, 
using a ballad to show that even though we are musical supremos, we are just as good at, at being stripped back. Journeyman, Iron Maiden, and Mick says this fails, right? So yeah, in, interesting, right? Strip it right back. A ballad is needed when the content is so gritty and emotive. No bells and whistles needed when it's this stark, a dark ballad. I know it's over by the Smiths. Um, ballads even exist in the heavy world of death, softening the heaviness, cleaning the vocals, and even mentioning the word love. No love lost. Carcass. Uh, 1990s ballads when Dungeons and Dragons stuff is passe bands need to start writing about real stuff stop being cartoony hence the ballad Wasting Love Iron Maiden again possibly another failure so that that brings up the great point it's like when do you really want to hear Iron Maiden do ballads right Uh, Empire of the Clouds though is kind of a ballad and I love it right so it can work or it can't work and and it all comes down to the sincerity and I think the bar is higher I guess this is the main point of this episode if you think about it the bar is really higher um when it's a heavy band and you're doubting the sincerity um it's like it's like bands who love doing this and and you know they love doing it because they do it a lot, i.e. they're not a heavy metal band. Uh, you almost feel like the sincerity is more likely. Um, but with a heavy band, you feel it's not really there and maybe it's forced and this is something they don't talk about very much and they're not selling it that well because they're not comfortable doing a ballad. So that's kind of an interesting thing about them. So I don't know what we learned from all this. Um, But uh, I just wanted you to explore, you know, why do you like and not like ballads? What are, you know, put, put, put a list together of the, of the reasons why you like them and the reasons why you don't and what kinds you do like and what, what kinds you don't. And, uh, and, you know, think about, uh, you know, among the genres, um, you know, what do you like? Because, uh, like I say, I mean, I really don't like when my favorite mellow bands do heavy music and I really don't like when my favorite heavy bands do mellow music kind of interesting right um so yeah if you like this episode and want to support future episodes please go to kofi.com rhymes uh rhymes with coffee coffee kofi slash martin popoff hit that red support button buy me a coffee or a pint this week i would like to thank joe back to bel air expediting andy black sugar transmission david fisher gustin garcia de Paredes, steve polari and brian sager uh you can go to martinpopoff.com for all your book needs um i do have the pink floyd back in stock i have the acdc back in stock the bluish to cult visual biography the ufo visual biography which i was out of for a long time of course i'm signing and sending those out from the office here in toronto there's paypal buttons for canada international and u.s um so there you go uh Go away, listen to some ballads, come back to the Facebook page and tell me what your favorite ballads are. And I'll, I'll, I'll pose this challenge to you. The song we started this off with, All We Are, um, which is basically um, a, a love song, you know, gals might like it kind of ballad. Um, rise to the challenge and tell me uh, maybe one or two of that kind of ballad that you think succeeds where where if you're a, if you're a real music snob you might like it as well kind of thing there you go go listen to some ballads find all of our shows notes social and links at www.pantheonpodcast.com or wherever you listen to great podcasts all songs can be found for purchase on iTunes, Spotify, or Google Play. Please purchase these great and important tracks. Find us on Facebook at the RNRAP. We are on Instagram at RNR Archaeology. Tweet us at RNR Archaeology. It's NFL draft season, and that means it's time to start thinking about fantasy football 
FantasyPoints.com features industry-leading experts and prognosticators using proprietary hand-charted data to help you score more fantasy points. FantasyPoints.com is the place to go for whatever kind of fantasy football you play. Whether you play fantasy football, daily fantasy sports, or do a little bit of everything, Fantasy Points has the meticulously researched content to guide you to victory. And why wait for the fall? Fantasy Points also covers the new spring football league, the UFL. Join the guru, John Hansen, Scott Barrett, Joe Dolan, and other massive names in the fantasy football universe with an exclusive offer. Use code Pantheon for 15% off any Fantasy Points package, including the all-in package, with access to every article, tool, and data nugget that Fantasy Points has to offer. That's FantasyPoints.com and code Pantheon for 15% off at Fantasy Points. FantasyPoints.com, code Pantheon. Score more fantasy points. 